Blog Talk Radio. George Washington, Thomas Jefferson, Samuel Adams, First Chief Justice John Jay. Names synonymous with the spirit of our country. Founding fathers of the USA. Over 200 years ago, they shook off the chains of tyranny from Great Britain by divine call. Citing 27 biblical violations, they wrote the Declaration of Independence with liberty and justice for all. But something happened since Jefferson called the Bible the cornerstone for American liberty, then put it in our schools as a light. Or since give me liberty or give me death, Patrick Henry said, our country was founded on the gospel of Jesus Christ. We eliminated God from the equation of American life, thus eliminating the reason this nation first began. From beyond the grave, I hear the voices of our founding fathers plead. You need God in America again. Of the 55 men who formed the Constitution, 52 were active members of their church. Founding fathers like Noah Webster, who wrote the first dictionary, could literally quote the Bible chapter and verse. James Madison said, We've staked our future and our ability to follow the Ten Commandments with all our heart. These men believed you couldn't even call yourself an American if you subvert the Word of God. In his farewell address, Washington said, You can't have national morality apart from religious principle, and it's true. Because right now we have nearly 150,000 kids carrying guns to these war zones we call public schools. In the 40s and 50s, student problems were chewing gum and talking. In the 90s, rape and murder are the trend. The only way this nation can even hope to last this decade is put God in America again. The only hope for America is Jesus. The only hope for our country is Him. If we repent of our Abe Lincoln said the philosophy of the schoolroom in one generation will be the philosophy of government in the next. So when you eliminate the word of God from the classroom and politics, you eliminate the nation that word protects. America is now number one in teen pregnancy and violent crime, number one in illiteracy, drug use, and divorce. Every day a new holocaust of 5,000 unborn die, while pornography floods our streets like open sewers. America's dead and dying hand is on the threshold of the church, while the spirit of Sodom and Gomorrah vexes us all. When it gets to the point where people would rather come out of the closet than clean it, it's the sign that judgment of God is going to fall. If there's ever been a time to rise up church, it's now. And as the blood-bought saints of the living God proclaim, that it's time to sound the alarm from the church house to the White House and say, we want God in America again. That one nation under God is our demand. And send this evil lifestyle back to Satan where it came from. And let the word of God revive our dying land. For Jesus Christ is coming back again in all his glory. And every eye shall see him on that day. That's 
Why a new anointing of God's power is coming on us to boldly tell the world you must be saved. Because astrology won't save you. Your horoscope won't save you. The Bible says these things are all farce. If you're born again, you don't need to look to the stars for your answers. Because you can look to the very one who made those stars. History tells us time and time again. To live like there's no God makes you a fool. If you want to see kids live right, stop handing out condoms. And start handing out the word of God in school. by the John Birch Society 
Don't dare call it treason and don't dare call it conspiracy. And they're still available and they show how our nation has been subverted uh, in our present generation. Starting with a modern New World Order conspiracy began with the American and European robber barons of the 19th century. The Rockefeller family seems to be at the center of this effort. For simplicity, I will mention this conspiracy through their name. However, all the 30th American and European elite families were and are neck deep in this effort. In around 1913-1914, President Woodrow Wilson was a nobody academic elite scholar under the sway of the Rockefellers. Just like Obama, he was a charismatic speaker and believer in the New World Order cause. The elite brought him forward as a candidate and, with their backing, elected him as president. Like all subsequent presidents, he had a handler, in this case a Rockefeller agent, a Colonel House, who actually ran things. Similarly, Nixon had his Kissinger. The Bushes had to Cheney, and Biden today, we have somebody, we don't know who our handlers are, but we know they're all Rockefeller men in their orbit. In 1913, the elite, through Wilson, enacted the Federal Reserve Act, giving money power to the elite's private bank. The Federal Reserve is the elite's private bank to print $100 bills for a fraction of one cent and then loan these bills to the government for $100. The scam continues to this day. They also created the income tax to pay for this scam. Think about that. That's where almost all of our national debt goes. Every action through the 20th century was controlled by the elite through their puppet governments in the Western world. In the early 20th century, the elite decided they needed to remove the kings of Europe so they could control the resulting weak Republican governments. So, behind the scenes, they created the First World War. Their goal was to create a League of Nations through which they could rule the world, but it wasn't quite God's time for them to succeed doing that. At the height of that war, they financed the Bolsheviks in Russia and sent them through Germany on a sealed train. They say, they say with $30 million of Rockefeller money and kept the Bolsheviks in power by constant funding for decades to come. By creating this threat, they hoped they could use the fear of communism to unite Europe. When the League of Nations failed to achieve their desired global empire, they took other means. One of these was the financial crash of 1929, which deliberately created chaos, and it also helped them to enlarge the monopolies by destroying competition. In the late 1920s and into the 30s, they financed Adolf Hitler because they needed another world war to establish the United Nations with teeth through which they could rule the world. A side note, in 1938, Henry Ford sent several tanker ships to Germany to supply the Nazis with a gasoline additive the German Air Force needed for Hitler to start his war. They certainly did not expect the Nazis' rapid success. In the middle of the war in 1942, 
the world was divided into ten governing regions shown on the map at that time. This was to be part of the United Nations plan to rule the world. Think of the Revelation's ten kings. It's the, exactly the same thing. In the 1970s, a global elite assembled in what they titled the Club of Rome and redrew this world order map. In recent years, the elite have done their best to scrub this map and most of the records of their meetings from the Internet. However, some, like yours truly, have been paying attention to preserve these maps. When Mao Zedong began his rapid conquest of China in 1949, the world elite's newspapers praised Mao for being a land reformer, happily reporting that he was replacing the corrupt Chinese warlords. It was all part of the plan to cause fear of communism to unite the Western world under their rule. A generation later, the Rockefeller family sent Kissinger to China in 1971 to get China to open up the world to business so that Chinese slave labor could make cheap products to destroy the American manufacturing base. Years later, the NAFTA pact with Mexico was accomplished to further replace American workers with Mexican workers. This was to make America dependent on foreign sources for everything. The current flood of illegal aliens, as well as the encouraged climate of race baiting, is designed to complete the division and destruction of America and of sovereignty. Because America is the only serious obstacle for the New World Order elite in establishing their world government. And by the way, this Klaus Schwab guy of the World Economic Forum is a Rockefeller man and a Kissinger disciple. Kissinger found him as a nobody and made him who he is. Guess who he's beholden to? With the fall of communism, the elite now found now fund the Muslim terror chaos. Today, they're creating famine and plague, especially through the Ukraine war, creating chaos to their goal of the new world order. The world elite today, through their several secret societies, such as the Bush's infamous Yale College skull and bones, follow occult practices recreating ancient pagan rituals. The Bohemian Grove rituals of today practice the Canaanite Baal worship of ancient pagan gods. The Masons and Rosicrucian elite, uniting in the Golden Dawn Society, also worship pagan deities, seeking out ascended masters who are really demonic spirits and fallen angels. I was involved in this Rosicrucian occult eeriness for several years before becoming a devout Christian. Yes, I read all their books. Through a Masonic friend, I read all the Masonic books as well, so I know what I'm talking about here. About satanic powers, Dean Michael Eckbert noted, <clears throat> quote, those who, who induced Germany to embrace the swastika are not dead. They are still among us, just as they have been in every era, and doubtless will continue to be until the apocalypse. National socialism was for them but a means to Hitler, but an instrument. The undertaking failed. What they, demonic spirits and fallen angels, are now trying to do is to revive the myth by other means. The 19th century German Enlightenment is the next part of this. The purpose of Darwin 
Judaism has been destroyed to destroy the morality and ethics of Moses and Jesus, the foundations of law and order in our society, to bring about a barbaric New World Order. Up until the 19th century, Central Europe's morality still had the Christian base of Martin Luther. In the 19th century, it became fashionable to question this base of society. After all, the elite had always done pretty much what they wanted. Sadly, the church was still a pillar of the state rather than being concerned with salvation of souls. Darwin, Freud, and Marx led the way. It was said at that time that we can have morality without God. After all, we're a Christian nation. The basis of morality and virtue comes from lawgivers, Moses and Jesus. Remove their influence, and you start to rationalize away basic moral truth. This does not happen suddenly, but over a period of time. Each generation is more perverse than the last until you finally reach total social and moral depravity. The prime movers, among others, of this descent into depravity were Darwin, Freud, and Marx. This is the new paganism, the triune god of this present age. Darwin and Freud gave man a pseudo-scientific rational to reject God, showing that man was only an animal. Karl Marx showed how this clever animal should be a depraved, hungry beast, devouring society with his teeth. It's not for nothing that the mantra of Lenin's Communist Party was illuminated by the creed, the nature of mass terror must be encouraged, or called from Nechiev, one of Lenin's disciples. Lenin maintained that previous revolutions in Russia had not been successful because they had not terrorized and killed enough people. The greatest lie of socialism is that those who work hard provide for the families must somehow be expected to also support those who aimlessly shift drift through this life demanding to be fed, housed, and catered to. Often violent creatures expressing a murderous rage when the supposed rights are interfered with. What about the rights of the quiet, decent, hardworking people? What about the rights of the victims? National Socialism was founded on this premise that the state and leader were God. There were no rights other than were convenient for the state. This descent into depravity had been achieved. In the 19th century, the basis for morality had been driven out of society. In the 20th century, any whim of a leader was a divine word. As the religious basis of the Nazi elite were occult and militant Hinduism, Millions of people were not being killed, maimed, and tortured. These useful and inconvenient cattle, animals, as Darwin and Freud insisted, were merely being sent on to the next incarnation where maybe they might reappear reappear as something useful. Today's elite look upon us in the same Darwinian light. As Hitler purged his society of unwanted genetic misfits, races, and creeds, so today's elite seek to reduce this more or less human herd of cattle down to a sustainable level the earth can support. The minimum number of serfs needed to service them as kings of nobility in their new feudal order. About Hegel, or Hegel, along with the twisted and perverse mantra of Darwin, Freud, and Marx, we have the activist social gospel 
of another 19th century dim bulb, Hegel. His mantra has totally captivated the intellectual elite. Basically, he taught that only great chaos can bring about great change. Thesis and thesis, synthesis was his mantra. Two world wars were encouraged to subvert decent government and society to the holy grail of a new world order. The Nazi military was rebuilt, and the latest Soviet threat kept in power for the cost of funding. Today, the bloodthirsty Muslims are encouraged to have fed the same twisted perverse theology that only maximum chaos, famine, and plague can achieve the desired new world order. Explaining Hegel's mantra, thesis, antithesis, synthesis, and Hegel's, Hegel's discipline, a group argues about both positions and comes up with a synthesis, a compromise, which is a new truth. We've heard about the new truths, haven't we? And, of course, the new truth is a lie from the pit of hell. Then someone challenges this new truth, this thesis, with an even more far-out heretical position than anthesis, resulting in a far bolder synthesis, delusional position, and heresy. So now you know more about the rest of the story. The second part is a, a small part, an excerpt from my article, Subversion on the West. The robber barons of the late 19th century thought the great legacy of our heritage and the Christian faith were the chief obstacles to the quest to obtain absolute power. So they laid careful plans to destroy both. Only a demonic indwelling could have driven these 30-ish families of the elite to single-mindedly pursue the goal of power and subversion generation after generation. After years of meetings in the smoke-filled rooms of the gentlemen's clubs and society functions of the late 19th and early 20th centuries, they decided on a multifaceted approach to the goal. Several of the elite chose to create their own universities. Others, like the Rockefellers, decided to create a program inside rural communities, especially among the minorities of the South. This soon resulted in a racist backlash that these blacks are being educated. Even the U.S. Congress got involved, doing their best to stir up chaos for votes, and yes, race baiting. Does this sound familiar? The Rockefellers, as well as others, saw the fine work, quote-unquote, that the magnet Cecil Rhodes had accomplished in creating the Rhodes Scholarship Program at a school, Oxford, in England, about 1902. The purpose of this program was to lure the top students to the school from across the British Empire. These young minds to be educated in the latest work of the great men of the Victoria, secular Victorian age. The focus here was to root out the superstitions of earlier generations, replacing these hindrances to progress with the new sciences of Darwin and Freud. This was the height of empire, with the immortal words written by Kipling, a Queen Victoria's Jubilee still fresh in their minds. To quote, God of our fathers, known of old, Lord of our far-flung battle line, beneath whose awful hand we hold, dominion over palm and pine. Lord God of hosts, be with us yet, lest we forget, lest we forget. Yet with all that, it was famously quoted from Gandhi 
I would have become a Christian, but it was, but for Christians. Their arrogance of race, class, and money mocked their words. They taught other perversities of the German Enlightenment to closely follow behind Darwin and Marx. The Rockefeller Foundation was greatly impressed by the success of the Rhodes Foundation in Oxford. They sent many young American students to Oxford to the Rhodes School of Government. They wanted to do likewise here in America. However, there was a problem subverting the American universities. As been noted, the Rockefeller Foundation promoted good causes, donations, to improve the quality of life of many. This was done to improve the public image. Their name had been badly tarnished by the relentless pursuit of profit no matter the cost, misery, and deliberate bloodshed. They used religious groups as unwitting frontmen in the diabolical plan. These good works were done to gain access to the great universities. The great universities were always in need of donations. The Rockefeller Foundation placed money to these universities, but with one critical catch. They funded chairs to the universities to rewrite our history, to change the past, their present, and therefore our future. They did their best to systematically remove the traditionalists teaching in the universities and replacing them with their own men. The removing of the Christian faith from our society has always been the basic drive of their foundations. They wholly adopted the godless mantra of the socialists and Soviets. Today, thanks to their relentless assault, only those students who mindlessly accept their ideology are recommended for the best posts and postgraduate universities. Only their graduates are considered for teaching professorships in today's colleges. Any professor who strays from this societal, godless, political correct mantra will have his funding cut, her university chair yanked out from under her, and he'll be blackballed from his profession. If this was not done, the university would lose millions in Rockefeller money. So controlling the narrative equally is important to reframing the American mind with controlling what people read in the newspapers. Starting in the late 19th century, the American elite started buying up the newspapers and installing their carefully trained ideologues in the editorial positions and reporters with a proper mindset to write the daily opinions of the masses. The nationwide telegraph made possible the wire services who guided the needed daily narrative. After some years, all the city's major papers were controlled by five corporations. This made it possible for the elite to promote their candidates for public office at all parties, while also making sure the fringe groups were totally unknown to the general public. This, as is often said, the fix was in. The final article is coming, is about quote, the coming storm. Nay, many would argue with good reason that the storm is already upon us. Decades ago, none of us could imagine the world we now live in. An old-timer I know a number of years ago lamented to me saying, where is my country? This is not the country I grew up in. I sadly echoed his dismay. Neither do I, no, now recognize my country. This article is not to frighten anyone. Its purpose is to educate. I get the fence sitters off the fence. Remember, the devil owns the fence 
too. Truth has become an orphan, despised, shunned, and neglected. His voice mocked by all the right people. Do not dare listen to her voice, lest you also occupy the same gutter where truth finds itself. Next, climate change, the new ideology. Besides the pathetic triune god of Darwin, Freud, and Marx, as in my last article, we see the new doctrine of climate change. Ignore the facts that every now and then, every few centuries, the climate change is like the weather. This is something you are not supposed to know. The elite stooges have been editing, altering, and thus burning the books about our history and climate for over 100 years. Beware that after defaming and burning the books, they start defaming and burning the people of these books. The Roman writers Pliny the Elder and Tacitus wrote about their world at the time. In their time, all of North Africa was a fertile prairie where the grain was grown and the seaports of Carthage and Cyrene fed the Roman Empire. Egypt Sinai was a forested wilderness instead of today's desert. Egypt had vast forests, was green hundreds of miles south into the prosperous African kingdoms. Shades of Ozymandrias, the kingdom's greatness, is now only blowing dust. Israel and Lebanon had vast forests of trees and fertile valleys and coastal lowlands. The fertile crescent extends from Syria into Iraq, where now it's nearly barren desert. Called global warming, didn't you know? The latest climate change happened between the ninth to the middle of the 14th centuries, which resulted in a far warmer climate than it is today. Today's climate alarmists totally ignore these truths, hysterically wailing that these eras never existed, that the Little Ice Age from 1350 to the last part of the 19th century had been the normal for 12,000 years. Talk about burning the books. Now they're slamming and wanting to burn the people. Remember the delusional hockey puck graph they tout endlessly? What with all this, what's the point of these climate change fanatics? Their point is that there are too many people, useless eaters, an endless herd of cattle, in their own words, of Darwin, that needs to be thinned out, pulled down to a sustainable level the earth can support. In case you didn't notice, we are that cattle. This ideology receives thunderous applause whenever it's mentioned at the elite's yearly Davos meetings, culling the herd. Plague has been used as a weapon of war since the beginning of organized slaughter. History is replete with stories of ancient sieges where catapults would be used to fling pagan-flested, twitching bodies over the walls into a city to spread fear and dread among the population. Plague weakens the defenders making it far easier to storm a fortress. It is no secret that before the colonization of North America, traders were sent out to trade blankets taken from English hospitals full of smallpox patients to give to the Native Americans. This was a deliberate policy of extermination of a people. It was smallpox that paved the way for colonization, killing off 90% of the Native population. Well, the pilgrims landed in, landed in uh, Plymouth had been a thriving, na- thriving native population. 
they were all gone, except for two of them, which had been kidnapped, and then came back to educate the, the uh, pilgrims about how to survive. With all this in mind, it's no wonder that these elites would see the plague, no matter what the name is, would feature rather loudly in their plans for us. Thing is, this obvious concept of, de- of deliberate gain-of-function research then the deliberate releasing of COVID into the Chinese population is in total accord with the world elite stated goal of massive population reduction by 2030. Why in China? Because the Chinese population's immune systems have been degraded by the intense pollution there. Why release at that time? Because millions of Chinese were home on vacation for the New Year's Eve festivals, family time. They were easily infected convenient virus spreaders. Why now? The New World Order elite had everything else in place to do the final implementing of their plans for establishing their long-planned new feudal world order by killing 6 billion people. It's no accident that virus mutations keep popping up. In my opinion, these are also carefully created and spread whether they want more lockdowns. Also, climate change lockdowns are already beginning in Europe to further disrupt and destroy supply chains. It's all part of the elite's carefully laid plan. COVID destroys supply chains, food production, causing death by famine, as well as by death by the coronavirus. And now, of course, famine by the Ukraine war. A perfect threefer in their eyes. The elites are certainly immensely pleased with themselves. And the number, number of useless and pleased with themselves in the number of elderly useless eaters that have been eliminated in this present pandemic. In line with this policy, the immune systems of a large percentage of the formula healthy young adults have been compromised as well. This is good news in their eyes as it reduces the number of children that will be born. Many of these young people dropping dead because the COVID shots are causing massive blood clots, killing many and crippling a host of others. This is no vaccine in a historical medical sense. But it's simply, this thing is messing the ways people's bodies react to detected pathogens. When you do this, in many cases, immune systems no longer react properly and an AIDS results. Remember AIDS, the Acquired Immune Deficiency Syndrome? And many people, this is still a death sentence, every bit as deadly as a classic pandemic. A natural immunity is far more effective in battling these intrusive pathogens. I'm 74 now, but I have a good immune system. I had COVID twice in the last two years. Second time, I didn't even know I had it until a nurse took a test. In both cases, I was fine in a couple of days. God knew what he was talking about when he said not to eat the pig, by the way. The corruption in scavengers compromises the immune system, according to university studies. Finally, digital currency and forced rationing of everything. We've all noticed the private digital currencies that have been created over the last several years. It has also been quite obvious that this is a passing thing. The world elite, through their captive governments, cannot allow this to continue. They have have their own sinister plans for us. Do you remember Klaus Schwab's ominous president announcement 
that the general population will own nothing and be happy? What's a digital currency is a place, strict rationing of what you will be allowed to have will be implemented. A Chinese-type social credit score will track the opinions of everyone. Those poor lost souls insisting on liberty and privacy will immediately become non-persons not able to use what digital money they once had. Does not being able to buy or sell, hold a job or keep housing. And, and their families will starve unless they shut up back in compliance with the system. The Bible and the book of Revelation talks about this imminently coming time where no one will be allowed to buy or sell unless they swear allegiance to the ruler, the Antichrist. We've all heard about the implementing of a digital currency later this year. How much time do you really think you, your family, have before this storm breaks upon the whole world? The storm of a world government is imminent. The storm could break at any time. So, is there any hope? Yes. Any day now, all the little children of the world, as well as every Bible-believing Christian, will disappear in a moment in time. While the world may shrug off us Christians disappearing, the loss of every one of their children will terrorize them. They will look for truth in all the wrong places. They will accept a lie from the imminent coming Antichrist and all be damned to eternal hellfire who believes his lie, takes the mark of the beast, and worships him as God. Right now, you can easily escape the Antichrist kingdom and eternal hellfire before it is too late for you. Jesus says that he loves you and wants you to become one of his children. Repent of your sins right now today and ask Jesus to come into your heart as your Lord and Savior. Romans 10, 9 to 13. Confess with your mouth the Lord Jesus and believe in your heart that he rose from the dead and you'll be saved from the consequences of your sinful life, which is eternity and hellfire. Thank you, Brother Joe, for the opportunity to share this. I hope a few people have been woken up from their their uh, inaction and complacency, Brother Joe. Yeah. Yeah, well, let's hope so. I mean, I know, you know, see, most people today, they want to be entertained, and they want to, you know, hear music, and they want to, and every other word has to be the F word that comes out of their mouth, you know, or, or you know, or a, a cuss word or something like that, because that's how we communicate now. And, and you know, to hear you speak uh, 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 intelligently and, 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 well, even though it's dry, but still informative, and it's just you're just giving information, not commentary, you know, so... Uh, and a lot of people can't handle that, you know, so, but that's, that's, but, you know, it was informative, uh, you know, when you uh, talked about the digital currency. I mean, everything is, everything is coming right before us, before our very eyes today. Now, I know you and I have had our bats back and forth where I think that, you know, I say, well, you know, I believe that we can restore our republic, that we can have an awakening. I know we had a conversation, I think, a couple of weeks ago, and you said, no, nah, we're too far gone. Uh, can you just get, maybe elaborate on that a little bit more, if you can? I mean, because a lot of people out there are fighting to restore the republic, are fighting for our constitution, and believe that we can turn things around. And think that maybe you know, maybe even Christians, even true Bible believing Christians. So, what do you think? Well, the thing is, time is up, and we're on double overtime. Back way way I, I know this is back in ancient Israel, God gave the pronouncement that the Hebrew people would be chastised for 2,520 years after they returned from the Babylon captivity 
before they restored their nation again, and that it would happen in May 14, 1948. They said that, well, almost over 3,000 years ago, brother. Gave the exact yeah. date of the beginning of the final generation. And the final generation, according to Jesus Christ, is no more than 80 years at the very most. 2028, 2030 will be the end of this generation. For the coming of the uh, Lord somebody, Christ sometime in that time frame. Yeah, somebody you made know, a comment that's what the Bible the, says. the other night. Yeah, that, that, yeah, well, yeah, that's so, what I know, the Bible says. I know. You know? Well, and, and people, somebody made a comment to me the other night. They said the wise men or whatever. How could they, do you really believe that they were following a star or or and, and Jesus was Arab? Arab. He wasn't uh, uh, Jew. You know. And I I immediately point to uh, Deuteronomy eighteen eighteen, which states very clearly that uh, where where God says I will rise a prophet amongst his brethren. You know, uh, what's brethren right, mean? Right. Obviously, Jew. You know, he wasn't Arab. He wasn't yeah, a Muslim. Right, 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 but, right, right. But precisely. You, but, and, 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 yeah. and and we have two we have two genealogies, and Matthew had the genealogy through legal genealogy through uh, Joseph, and I think it's uh, what it, I think it's Luke, uh, whatever it was that has genealogy through Mary. So both of them, he he was descended through David the king from David the king. You know, and there's no doubt of that. You know, you know, yeah. and and uh, yeah. brother J.D. Farag in Hawaii, he's Chapel Kaneohe in Hawaii. He does a, a weekly Bible prophecy update. But one of the profound things he says that all of the, all of the technical things we're seeing now, the, the the vaccines and the mark and all of that, help a shelf life. And another decade, much of that will be succeeded by uh, future future changes. Yeah. In, in, in bioengineering and, and men becoming machines, which is even beyond that of Bible prophecy. So yeah. all of this yeah. in Revelation has a shelf life that has to be done now. I know I would like yeah. love to see the 19, you know, the, the freedom, not the racism of the 1940s and 50s, but the freedom we had back then. The little children go out trick-or-treating by themselves or with the little groups, and no one had a care because they were perfectly safe. You know, yeah. I never had a lock on my bicycle all the time I was, you know, growing up. My dad could leave his motor on the outboard motor on an outhaul on a public public river. No one bothered anything. You know, it was that type of society, yeah. you know. And people just don't see that. They just don't see it. Instead, they want to argue. Like, for mm-hmm. instance, I got a guy who sends me a chart, right? Yeah. He says, Christianity, Islam, and Zionist. He says... Jesus ascended into he- Jesus ascended into heaven. That's Christianity. Islam says Jesus ascended into uh, into heaven, and then Zionists say Jesus did not ascend. And then underneath it, it says Jesus is the Son of God, the Messiah, and the final prophet. That's Christianity. Islam says Jesus is the Word of God and His messenger and a deliverer of the Scripture. Zionist says Jesus was the most damaging false Messiah. I mean, this is the time that people want to spend on, yeah, dissecting the Bible and tearing it apart instead of comparing Scripture with Scripture and studying, um, um, uh, um, you know, and, and reading the word, word for what it is. I always get the comment that men wrote that book, and, there, and there's no way that it's, it's, it's not a history book. That's the new one I've been hearing a lot lately. It's not a history book, um, <laughs> which is, I, I don't know where they get that one from. But that, you know, a lot, a lot is that why, if the land belongs to Palestine, 
It's Palestinian land. It's not Jews' <laughs> land. And we get that okay. a lot. Well, I, I can answer the first part of your question there. One-third of Bible is future prophecy. Two-thirds of that have had, happened exactly, precisely, to the very year, to the very hour, to the very point, you know, that it, that, you know, you know that it said it would. And only a small part is left to happen. Secondly, in, in, the, in the Torah, the first five books of the Bible, every, what is it now, every, every I think it's, 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 anyway, in the first four books of the Bible, in, in Genesis, every so many words, the first letter spells out the name of God. In, 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 in Leviticus, it spells out another name of God. In, 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 in uh, Numbers, you know, in the same way, in way, in each of those books, every, service, every number of words spells out God's name and talks about his holiness. There's no way that could be encoded by a person an ordinary human being. And, yeah. and throughout all the rest of the scriptures, you have what is called the Bible Code, which uh, also tells us amazing things about God and his message and future telling. There's no way that a human author could encode all of that and still have an incredible dynamic message. Only a supernatural yeah. entity beyond time and, and space can do that kind of thing. Yeah. And, and yeah. the Bible prophecy, as I'm saying, you know, in Leviticus chapter 4, 4 to 6, God says, you know, that I, that uh, because of the, 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 the falseness of Israel, he would chastise them, I think it was 430 years. And then in uh, Leviticus chapter 26, I believe it is, he says, if after the ti- a time of chastisement, such as Babylon prophecy, Babylon um a punishment. If you don't repent, I'll remultiply the remaining 360 years of chastisement seven times. 2,520 yeah. Jewish yeah. years of 360 ends in July and uh, May 14, 1948. Yeah, and when it comes right to the date. Yeah. Beginning, right. It's exact. And, and when Jesus came the first time, you know, in Daniel chapter 9, it shows exactly when he would come, the very year yeah. in which he would come. They're told he would be in Bethlehem, but he would go to Egypt, you know, and then for some, then he would go to Nazareth, be called a Nazarene. There are dozens of authenticators prophesied centuries and a thousand years before to authenticate Jesus as the Christ. And he fulfilled yeah. every single one of them. There's no way that that could be any part. And the Hebrews are so upset at that. And they knew about all these things, but they were so upset at that, they changed the Hebrew calendar. So it, it would, it would um, no longer you know, point to Christ, but point to that Messiah guy that they had 130 A.D., you know, that, that led him astray and... Totally destroyed the nation. Who was the Jew looking you know? for? Who were the Jews looking for? I mean, they rejected Christ well, clearly. Well, the, the, the Jews, the Jews clearly saw that there were two sets of um, prophecies. One was a suffering servant who would save them from their sins. The other was a great conqueror who would place Israel at the at the 
first of the nation. Now, they, didn't, they thought they were good. They thought they didn't need their sins forgiven. They had sacrifices. So they were looking for the great conqueror. When Jesus came as a suffering servant, they rejected him. They didn't want to hear that. They were righteous. Yeah. You know, they, they looked down their noses at everybody else, you know. That's why they. Yeah. Yeah. That's why even today they they reject Christ. They're looking for the and they'll get that great that great conqueror, but he'll be the Antichrist, the false Messiah. Yeah. Wow. You know, and you'll have. Wow. A, and it says it says remember, it says that the false Messiah will come from the sea, many of the Gentile nations. The false the the false prophet will come from the the land, meaning the land of Israel. You see. And he will do such miracles wow. that Christ did with fire down from heaven and healing the sick and raising the dead and doing all kinds of mighty works. Say, you know, but look, the, the, that guy is a Messiah. He has a Messiah. I'm saying it is. See all these works? You have fire done come from heaven and his word. But it'll be all satanic. Yep. You know, it'll and, be a trick. A lot of us believe that, that, that satanic angels will come down pretending to be UFOs from somewhere else saying, Hey, we're here to help you. We created you. And that'll be part yep, of the Antichrist yep. message. Everybody, yep. everybody, even on Blog Talk Radio, I hear yeah, the people yeah. talking about aliens and spaceships and demons. Right, and demons right, are right. coming down. You know, the UFOs, right, aliens are going to come down, and that's what right, they're looking right, for. Right. That's what they're looking for. Right, right, and that's what they're taught. I've been involved with the UFO community for, I don't know, 50 years, and I've heard that time and time again. Our Savior, who created us, is coming down in a UFO. He's going to say that, and they're going to have, and they'll change the Bible to what they want it to be, and they'll, they'll, it's a great deception. You know, the Antichrist, wow. the false prophets, and all this, and UFO stuff is a great deception. You see? The number so of as I said, the num- yeah, yeah. Go ahead. Yeah, well, the thing is, when all the children disappear, they're all going to be terrified and want an answer. And they're going to get an answer, but it's going to be false. Yeah. You know, they won't yeah. care that the Christians have left. They'll care about where their children go. You know, or two, three, all the pregnant women will no longer have children in the in their womb. You know? Wow. Wow. And you That's think amazing. of how that will terrorize everyone, you know? Yeah. And all the little children, yeah. up to maybe four or even five years old, will be gone. Just the whole world. Every tongue, tribe, and nation, every family will be will be affected. That's what's going to terrorize the world far more than our yep. our, our our leaving. You know. Yeah, and people and so. people blame it on the UFOs. They'll say UFOs, the aliens did it. Yeah. Yep. Yeah. 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 <laughs> wow. Yeah. Wow. And that's what. Yeah. Wow. Yeah. It's yeah. Amazing. Yeah. Well, that's what it's they're amazing. told right now. And and yep. and all those those uh, knuckle draggers, unworthy to enter the new age have been expelled by Mother Earth. That's what they're, they're being told wow. right now. You know? Wow. It's amazing. So amazing. The, the, the rapture has been explained. Yeah. Yeah, it has been explained already. Explained away already. You know? Yep. And it just and so, nobody knows the date or the hour or the time, but we sure know no, the season. No, of course not. But, it, you know? Yeah, and we are in that season. As I said, all of this technology that uh, the Antichrist requires is here, ready, right now. They have that little thing with hooks on it. They're going to slam in the bottom and the people's uh, back of the hand and forehead. And you know why it's in the back of the hand and the forehead? There's a scientific reason, Brother Joe. You know what that is? No. These are, these are powered 
by the heat escaping from the body to the outside atmosphere. The only two places on the body are always exp- always exposed to the outside. That's the back of the hand or the forehead. And the right hmm. hand, because that was the noble hand, wow. the noble hand for, and the left hand was used for toilet paper things, and that was not the not the unholy hand. You know, that's why on yeah, the right yeah. hand. I was thought I thought I was told that you know, you, the frontal lobe of your head is where you think where you know that you thinking well, part well, is that, you know, where you make your decisions. Yeah, yeah and you buy and sell right. with your right and hand. That, right, right, and that's why all the satanic things have a little dot in on their forehead, saying that's the seat of their soul or whatever, and that's why all the real so, super spiritual antichrist followers are going to have it have it in in their foreheads. So when you go to the checkout counter. They'll, they'll use a scanner to read the forehead. And if you don't yeah, have that little thing on your... Right, yeah. right. And if you don't have that chip on or on and in your right hand or your forehead, they can't scan it, so you can't... Most people can't access their digital bank accounts. They starve, so they're yep. children. Yep, yep. yep. That, I like the people who justify yeah, I like people who justify every, the Bible or they justify the end or God. They always make God into their own yeah. image of what they think God is, you know. Well, I just think we're a bunch of energy. And, you know, God, we're going to, you know, if you do good, you're going to be good. And, you know, and I just think that we're, we're reincarnated. <laughs> I mean, you just listen to the people out yeah, there and the yeah. things they come up with. It's amazing. It's yeah, amazing. Yeah. Well, they uh, want to be boy. their own little gods. You know? Yeah, yeah, everybody, yeah, well, that's that, true. That's I mean, I, I, just to wrap it up here, just to wrap it up here on this subject. Yeah, of course. Is that I just want to say, I want to say, we have everything right now before us happening. It's happening right before right. our right, eyes. Right, right, right. You know, how could you deny right. it? You know, it just amazes well, me. Well, how pe- can people, people deny want, it? People want it. If God said, I will send a small delusion. Strong delusion, those that rejected me. They 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 have chosen a lie, so God gives them a delusion to believe the lie. Yeah. You know? Wow. Wow. Amazing. Yeah, because, well, brother Lewis, tell me, you still got your website up? You still got your website up? Oh brother yeah. Lewis? Yeah. I. Yeah. It's uh, https Lewis H B L E W I S H is in Harry B is in boy dot TV like your TV tube. I have uh, two first-century novelists through that explaining the Old Testament that how it predicts the Lord Christ. One of them is like the story, the unauth- unauthorized biography of the of the rich young ruler, and also another one of the time of King David and Solomon, where uh, the Hebrew people voyage across the Atlantic to our continent. For the gold and silver of South America, and uh, yeah. that's of course King Solomon's ships. Yeah, they, I've got uh, uh, the first of them. Yeah, I got Doctor uh, Peter Ventura here. I'm sorry. Go ahead. Yeah, right. Oh, I also want to say that uh, across the top, you know, there's a header of various pages. You scroll down. I have two pages of Bible science showing the incredible creation of God and how he made it impossible for, he made it so, he changed the impossible to possible and made it possible for life to exist. There are so many requirements of our our world we have that makes life possible. Without 
that an intelligence making it this way, life would not be possible. Yeah. Kind of muffed that. I got Dr. Bit, Peter but, Matura. Uh, I got Peter here with his hand up. Let's see what's, what's on his mind here. Oh, go ahead there, Peter. He wants, he wants to say, don't listen. Hey, <laughs> Peter, go ahead. <laughs> of course I want to say something. Good evening. He always does. Good evening, Brother Joe. <laughs> and, uh, good evening. Brother Lewis, good to hear yeah. you out there today. Uh, excellent uh, history lesson there. Amen. And prophetically. Yeah. Well, we have uh, to know. And and prophetically valuable, you know, but especially for the uniformitarianism that's going on. You know, well, these things will be going on forever. And, uh, they'll continue, you know. We've heard that before. But uh, good lesson, and I just wanted to let you know that. So God bless you. Well, thank, yeah, you. My yeah. thank you, Joe. And, uh, yeah. We'll see you tomorrow night. Uh, on, one question. I got one question for both of you while you're here about creation. You know, they, I get, always get to also the, the comments or the discussion about creation. You know, and God, God, you know, the first day, the second day, the third day, and, and this, you know, and people just don't understand that. They don't understand the ferment. They don't understand the, the they just don't understand, you know, how creation, you know, the, the Genesis. I think Genesis is a very important book, but people don't understand it. How can they understand it better? Or what, what's your, or can give me your advice, uh, Peter, first on that. You know, what you think as a teacher of this book? Well, you have to read it literally. Yeah. You know, uh, the prop, people don't have a problem reading the book; they have a problem believing it. Yeah, that's the problem. Well, they don't understand the Garden of Eden. They think you. They think they say, "Well, you, you think we really all came from Adam, and and she ate an apple." That's not. That's not literal. You know, you well, can't take that literally. Nowhere in the Bible does it say she ate an apple. It said fruit, fruit <laughs> of the tree. And, all right, so it could have been a grape for all we know, but uh, yeah, uh, the fact is that you know, to an unsaved man. The Bible is nothing but a novelty. It's a Holy Spirit written book. Holy men of God were moved by the Holy Spirit. And it's a Holy Spirit book. And if I'm going to understand it, I have to be led by the Holy Spirit to understand it. If I don't have the Holy Spirit of God, the simplest truths are hard for me to understand, let alone believe. And and the other problem is that people want to use common, what they call common sense and not spiritual sense. Uh, I heard a fellow say uh, one time uh, uh, on a program that, well, how can I believe that, um, uh, you know, a guy could turn bread into, and feed 5,000 people from one loaf? Now, how you want me to believe? See, he can't believe a spiritual truth because he's limited God to his carnal mind. And, it, and, it, and the Bible is interpreted by the natural man receiveth not the things of God. That's what it says in Corinthians because it's spiritually discerned. You know, that's your answer. Wow. Yeah. Wow. Wow. Interesting how you just said that. Actually, that's that. That's a good point. As people don't, and then you get the flat earthers out there. The Earth is flat. So remember, you had a debate one time with a Kermit on here. I think a few years back. I had a <laughs> the debate. Earth is flat. I debated with the uh, I debated with the Urantia people from the Urantia book, and and you know. Uh, there's a dome over the earth. Somebody shot a missile up and it bounced back. Um, 
you know, just propaganda and, and stupidity. And, you know, just like the thing, how come there's other religions where they have a mother and child? Well, because the original it began with uh, uh, in the Garden of Eden in the first prophecy of Genesis 3.15 that, that this seed would be born from a woman. Women don't have seed. And so there's the first prophecy of the virgin birth. And when you when when you start looking at this thing, then you have to you know you get some spiritual wisdom. But again, how could a man understand a spiritual book if he doesn't have the spirit? You see, and yeah. so the yeah. the guy said, well, "How could this man you know do this these miracles?" Well, you know, what kind of God did you have anyway? Is he that limited? Your God couldn't do that, you know. Well, there's that woman, and she's oh yeah. When they when the uh, explorers get to China, they find the Madonna there. You know the mother and child. Well, where do you think it came from? It's a counterfeit. Satan is a counterfeit. There's only one true God. The rest are counterfeits. Yeah. Yeah, brother yeah. Peter. Uh, could you 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 mention a, a little bit about the first cause in creation? I did. The doctrine of first doctrine of first. Yeah, you did. The doctrine of first cause. You talked about that a number of times. Well, look, here, here's the truth. you got to look at the universe. Either, either it was there all the time, it's a figment of your imagination, or somebody created it. Because nothing comes from nothing. Okay, and you know, Joe, Joe says, I get tired of hearing that thing about the watch. Well, I mean, it's true. You look at the universe, and, and it's created, and, and by the way, forget all that. You know what? These Urantia people... You go stand on top of a mountain and look at the earth, and you can see the curvature of the earth, okay, alone. You can see the curvature of the earth is not flat. Ask any pilot, you see. And so uh, they, they limit it to linear motion in a straight line. And they say, well, the farther you go, well, the ocean's still there. It's still flat. Yeah, you moron. You know? Yeah. You throw yeah. a ball, does it stay going straight? You know. Yeah. And so, so yeah. Uh, uh, this, this idea, you know, that uh, there are many religions, there are many gods. Small G. Have you ever heard of Peter? Peter, have you ever heard of a guy named uh, 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 the Apostolic Teaching of Bishop Larry Gators? Well, I don't have to listen and know at him already because he's talking. He's an apostle, and he's not an apostle. So whatever he's teaching is full of baloney. Whether it's got some truth in it and some lies. Remember, the devil's always got some truth in the lie. See, a man who calls himself an apostle, when they come to my church and they say, "Hey, I'm an apostle," I say, "Are you really?" Well, the Bible says these are the signs of an apostle. Uh, you can pick up snakes. Uh, you won't die. You can drink anything poison. So I tell my wife, "Hey, hey, 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 Marilyn." Grab a glass of Clorox for this fella. Because <laughs> right? if you're an apostle, you're going to drink that and not be poisoned. That's what the Bible says. And then they say, oh, you're not to try. You're tempting God. No, I'm not tempting God. It says clearly in John, 1 John, try the spirits for many false spirits are going out. Revelation says that God knew, Jesus knew that the church tried them who said they were apostles and found them liars. Well, how do you think they tried them? They Apostles. Well, uh, the church is built upon the foundation of the apostles and and, and the disciples. And listen, 
So we need apostles now. You're, you're, you can't rightly divide the word of God. And what you're believing is just not true. You can't live out what you're saying. And you're telling me that don't tempt God because you can't drink that Clorox because you know you're not an apostle and you're an imposter is what you are. And so if you're going to come on the radio and you're going to teach somebody and you're going to say you're an apostle, you're already an imposter. Why would I listen to anything you say? Even if you had some truth in it, there's going to be a lot of lying. And that's the problem yeah. with men who are calling themselves apostles, along with female preachers who are calling themselves pastors, which ought to be ashamed of themselves. The Bible says, I, I charge a woman not to usurp her authority over a man. Amen? You know, there's a lot of bad yeah. stuff out there. But the problem with the church is this. I had a lady at our church last week, and uh, she came there. It's her first time visiting. She says, I'm thrilled to see there's finally a Baptist church in Woodbury. And I knew what church she had gone to. She had been to this, you know, church that was a local church, charismatic church. And she, you know, and they got a praise team where they all come running down up front and they're singing and they're jumping up and down. They didn't even get the service started yet. And they're screaming, let's give it up for Jesus. And they got their hands in the air. And what they're doing is they're getting an emotional high, you know, lithium emotional high. And they're emotionally charged up. They couldn't hear the Spirit of God talking to them if they wanted to. Their flesh is so so live and charged up. And the lady said, well, I, I you know, and I preached a dynamic sermon, and she said, I uh, I thought, you know, that I'd, it'd be a more uplifting uh, service being a Baptist church. I said, yeah, okay, you, you, you better go down south, you know. <laughs> the word of God is uplifting by word. That's what brings me joy, the Word of God. If I'm not getting the Word of God, I'm not going to be joyful. And so you got you got a lot of phony balonies out there, and a lot of people who think they know something. I love the people who say, oh, God's too loving to send anybody to hell. Then I don't know what kind of God they have, because that's not the God of the Bible. The God of the Bible killed 3,000 people at the bottom of uh, Mount Sinai when Moses came down and threw those Ten Commandments down. All right? God... God doesn't play. Listen, he's a righteous God, and he must judge sin. And sin cannot be in his presence. And he's given us the method and the way. And either we accept it or we reject it. And God doesn't send a man to hell. He sends himself to hell. He rejects the Son. And when you reject the Son of Jesus Christ, then you know what? You've rejected your salvation. You can't work your way to heaven. You can't be a nice person to get there. Because if you could do all those nice works, well, then why did Jesus have to go to the cross? Why did God have to send his son to die? If you could just get to heaven without him. Or maybe you could call Mary, you know, the judge's mother. You know? Yeah. yeah. You know, and I get angry. That's it. You say down bitter. Hey, listen, you're darn right I'm bitter. I'm tired of, of these churches and these spineless pastors and these these Christian robbing pastors stealing money, going to sell somebody 50 miracles in a box. You know, hey, Brother Lewis, you want to laugh? Brother Joe and I were on the phone one morning and Brother Joe said, hey, i got to have a, some fun. You want to have a little fun this morning at their expense? And I said, sure. So he calls in on this radio program and he said, listen, I just saw advertised 20 miracles in a bottle for 50 bucks and he says if i donate uh, an extra hundred dollars could i get five more miracles and the guy said oh yeah sure <laughs> <laughs> and these these stupid christians 
that call themselves Christians don't have the sense to realize that the devil has power too. And they don't even know. You know the two magic men that stood before Moses? You don't even find out who they are until you get to the book of James. That happened in Genesis. But James tells you it was Janus and Jambres, see? And if you don't read your Bible, how are you going to put all that together? So what they do is they get yeah. on the Internet, they pick up a book, or they listen to one guy preach, and, they, and they're sold. Oh, it sounds good. Well, listen, that's, what, that's the problem. You're measuring your experience to the Bible. How about taking the Bible and using the Bible to measure your experience? You see? Because the devil Peter, let me. Tr- yeah. Yeah. No, you're on a roll here. I, let me just take this person here. I think they got a sincere question here. Let's see here. Uh, 704, I think I recognize the number. Go ahead. Hey, buddy. How are you tonight? Oh, yeah. Hey, how you, how's it going? I do have a question. Um, uh, so is it true or is there any truth to that some Pope took seven chapters out of the Holy Bible? And if it is true, how do we know that he didn't add anything to the Holy Bible? Okay, that's a good question. So let me see if I'm getting this right. Some Pope, we don't know which one. Uh, there's no Pope that I know of that in the history of my study of that, but some Pope removed uh, some chapters or books out of the Bible. And, uh, right. well, first of all, the, the Popes were never in charge of the Word of God. The Roman Catholic Church didn't come about until 325 A.D., uh, the Church of Jesus Christ was already established in Jerusalem. That's the original church. I, mean, I know Roman Catholics say they're the original church. They're not. And it was the Apostle James, the Lord's brother, who was the pastor in Jerusalem. And so they were never in charge. And there are, there are different sets of manuscripts. There are over 5,420 manuscripts today extant that are the Syrian manuscripts that agree with the King James Texas Receptus. Bible. There is another set of manuscripts which comes from a school in Alexandria, Egypt. And that's, and you know, God called his son out of Egypt. He wouldn't even leave Joseph's bones in Egypt. Egypt is a picture in the Bible of the type of the world. And God calls his son out of Egypt. And so those manuscripts that come up out of Egypt, such as the Sinaiticatus, the Vaticanus, uh, the, uh, uh, the mythological Septuagint, and, and these books that came out of there, those manuscripts, they just, Aleph and B, they disagree with each other alone in the four Gospels over 2,000 places. So how do we know we have the right manuscripts? That's the real question. Well, we have to follow the right line. That's the first thing. You, you have to study some outside stuff outside the Bible for a minute, and you take a look at um, a guy like Dean Bergeron, and Dean Bergeron was able to collect 85,000 patristic quotes from the church fathers, from personal letters, lectionaries, and different things. Out of the, and what he found was that there was enough of quoting of the King James Bible to write a King James Bible. And when we say King James Bible, we're just saying, listen, God, King James authorized it. He never translated anything. He never had his hand on the translation. You know, the Bible says the holy men of God spake. And so then we say, well, how do we know a translation can be 100% accurate? You know, that's, that's really the next question. Well, you know, uh, we know this much. We know that Jesus Christ quoted every Old Testament Bible, and he quoted uh, something from each, each book of the Bible. And he, and he claimed from the blood from Abel to 
Buck, uh, Zacchaeus, the son of Bacchaeus, he was the last person to be killed at the altar. And so Jesus signified the Old Testament itself. And so knowing manuscripts, and I, listen, I'm not a Greek expert, and I'm not a Hebrew expert. Uh, I believe the Lord gave us the Bible in English and uh, so that we could understand it. English is, is the last world language. There were seven world languages to the proper translation, and there were seven steps. And, you know, God has promised to preserve this word. It's not up to you and me or a church or the Lockman Foundation or Nelson Publishing. It's up to God. and He must preserve his own word. And so uh, it'd be a shame for God to tell them that we should live by every word of God and then not give it to us. But if, if you know anything about the Bible, I'll give you a couple verses, and you can just look this up yourself. And uh, Yeah, I know the Bible pretty well. I just lost my faith a few years ago. Excuse me, sir? I said, I know the Bible pretty well, I said, but I did lose my faith a few years ago. So I don't have okay. as much faith in, 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 as I used to. Well, you know, that, that happens, and, and it happens. To, and I'm a pastor of a church, and, and uh, I have a, a, a Bible institute and, and a prison ministry, and I meet men and women uh, throughout their lives. You know, they get to, I met people that were 80 years old and were in a church their whole life, and they started losing faith in the Bible. And you know what I found out? Most of them lost faith. They stopped reading the Bible, number one. You see, because the Bible is a spiritual book and, and to know the power of God, one must know the Bible. And the power of God is revealed through the Word of God. And the Word of God is, is spirit-filled and it feeds your spirit. And so we can lose our faith by, by you know, saying, well, you know, we could be educated out of it. I've met people who are educated out of their faith, that people talked about science and science proves this. And, but, you know, there's opposition of so-called science, which is false. And so really science proves the Bible. And that builds my, you know, your faith back. Well, let's ask him, what, Peter. Let's ask him, Peter. What, what, what made him what, begin to start what, losing his faith, what, if you don't mind? What, what you know? What, what exactly what I was going to ask, but what is uh, Well, for? long story short, uh, I was locked up, and every time I went to jail, I found jailhouse religion. So I challenged God. I was like, listen, I'm going to do it your way. I'm going to see if you're real. And uh, my life changed a whole bunch. It didn't happen overnight. It took time. But it seemed like every church I went to, there was politics. And every time I'd give my testimony, people would just be, like, looking at me as a criminal or a bad person. And uh, So it just started making me feel like that, you know, all of the stake. How can you preach about to give your brother that, or your sister, but... You know, if you tell somebody a true testimony that really happened, then, you know, after that, everybody judges you. And it just okay. happened over and over every church I went to. And, and, and then, you know, we, we went through this lockdown, and my eyes were open to so many different things that I just, you know, started doubting everything. Okay. And, and you know what, brother? The brethren can discourage you. They can discourage you. I'll give you a for instance. I served 26 years in prison. I've been out 13 years. I haven't stopped running for the Lord yet. But I want you to know, the first church I gave my testimony in, I sat down in the pew the next next Sunday, and I sat alone. Nobody was sitting near me. But I didn't go to church for them. I stuck it out. I eventually ended up teaching Sunday school there to underprivileged people being busted in from a local city. But I stuck it out. And, and you know what? Uh, the offense of the cross 
and I preached on that on Sunday. And, and uh, the offense of the cross is that we will be rejected. We will be looked upon. You see, that name Christian, when they were called Christians in Antioch, the first time they were called Christians, it wasn't because they were great, clean, wonderful people. That was a derogatory name. They were Christ followers. They were people who were the dregs of life. They weren't supposed to be God's children. And that's why the Romans hated the Christians, because to the Romans, they were so up in an upper scale and upper class that how dare them have a religion that has murderers and convicts and, and people. But that's who Jesus Christ came to save, the common man. He came to save all souls, but he said it was the common people. And so when you're giving your testimony, that's proof of your salvation when they reject you. You see? And and you shouldn't let that put you down. They're not they're not gonna embrace you all the time and say, you know, it's a, I go into churches and give a testimony, you know, people clap their hands, yeah, it's a great thing, you know. But sometimes it's not. And in their back of their mind. But here's the difference, brother. And this I won't allow to happen in my church. Okay? And I say my church, it's the Lord's church, but I'm pastoring it. And, and, and I'll never let this happen. I didn't let it happen in my church in California, and I won't let it happen here in Connecticut. There's a difference between people who were sinners that are saved by grace and people that are sinners saved by grace. And the problem with the church today, when you get in churches like that where you've been and they've looked down upon you for it, you know why? It's because they think they were sinners saved by grace. You see? But they have yeah. to come to the realization that they are sinners saved by grace. Yeah. And so that's that's sense. quite uh, uh, that's quite a difference. And, you, and and it's just you know what if you suffer for righteousness and that's what you're doing, you're suffering for the testimony of Jesus Christ. God God's got a blessing for you in it, brother. And I know it can be discouraging. And I know I know I've walked alone in it. I had a Sunday school class in a church. And they brought sandwiches to every class but mine. Why? Because I was an ex-con. And, and they just, they thought they were sinners saved by grace. And they were better than me. And they aren't. And that's the great thing about the crosses. And so when I get around people like that, the best thing to do is get away from people like that. We'll find a Bible. Yeah, it's here. Little church. There's some guys... Some guy said uh, when you made that apostolic uh, comment there, I guess about the did you hear of the uh, the gentleman that was uh, somebody asked me they said how did you hear about the uh, two gentlemen or oh, excuse me how do you oh, wait I forgot how these two gentlemen that feel oh he said I said how do these two gentlemen feel about the apostolic teaching of Bishop Larry Gators and I guess you made you made your comments about it and I guess they were like that's not what he teaches or whatever or something he doesn't teach I, I don't know I, I don't know what their point is but I guess that well, I, but by, by you're saying by using that title apostolic that's what you're saying right no I'm saying I, if he's claiming to be an apostle there's, you know there's nothing I can say about him. apostolic teaching could be you know teachings of the apostles but that's that's my comment was this let's let's clarify it and then they can respond if you want if this gentleman claims to be an apostle, he's an imposter. That's what I'm saying. If he's teaching about the apostles, then that's a different thing. Yeah. yeah. Okay. All right. I'll clarify it. All right. Make sure people understand. You know, well, things can get taken out of context. That's all. So, you know, yeah, I mean, yeah. and I think that, what's that? What's that? I'm sorry. Yeah, I understand. Communication. You know, you have communication. I just, I'm really, 
I really hope that this brother that's listening that's been discouraged, because that's the sharpest tool in the devil's shed. And he's tried to discourage me, believe me. He's tried everything in the book so far to get me down. And the closer you get to the Lord, you know, most men think this. Oh, well, I'm walking with the Lord and my life's going to be beautiful. Well, let me tell you something. No, it's not. Because you know what? What do you think? The devil was just going to say, oh, wow, brother so-and-so is reading his Bible. I better go the other way. That's not going to happen. Well, I always figured if, if, if Jesus didn't have it easy on earth, why would we? That's so right. That's how I always see it. You know, and the Bible says easy. those who live godly will suffer persecution. And and that's what you're suffering. If people are persecuting and looking down upon you because you're, listen, you're a new man in Christ Jesus. And all you have to do is walk that walk. And forget those people. That's what I do. I don't pay them a, a minute. I know who I am in the Lord Jesus Christ. And it doesn't matter what they think about me or what they say about me or what they do. I'm going to walk the walk, and I'm going to serve my Lord Jesus Christ. And, and, and I'm going to let, you know, I'm just a nobody telling everybody about a somebody. But my I'm point not, is it's hard to stay a Christian if you aren't doing Christian things. And to do Christian things, you need to be in a Christian environment. That's pretty, pretty much the reason you go to church is to fellowship with other Christians to help the community, bring other people in. But when you're all by yourself all the time, it just gets, you know, you're like, what's the point, you know? Sure, sure. So, and that's the skirt. And I get that. So I urge you to, to locate a Bible-believing church, a good, sound doctrine, Bible-believing Christian church. I don't know where you're from, or, but uh, that's what I would do. And, and search it out. You know, I was in California, and I started going to a church, and I didn't like it, and I started searching churches. And I must have went through a dozen churches, and you know, until I finally found one where I said, well, okay. You know, it, it took me a dozen churches. Well, the, gentleman, know, the gentleman's in North Carolina, and, and, and he's, he's a patriot, and he's trying, you know, he's, he's upset about the way the country's going and, and the Constitution not being obeyed and, and you know, and, and so he's he's in the same boat I am, basically, and yeah. and he's trying Me to too. you know reach out and find answers, you know. Yeah, absolutely, and you know what? Uh, the answer to it all is Jesus Christ. I mean, that's the answer, and I, and I believe this. I believe we pray for our nation, and we pray for God to put people in in, in political positions who are God honoring, uh, to remove those who are not. Uh, and but I think we need to also look at the signs of the times. The Bible says we'll know the seasons, and uh, the season's bad. It's a bad season right now, and and I don't. I personally, as as Brother Lewis said, I I can't see the comeback from this. And America's abandoned God, and when a nation abandons God, and you know God puts the leaders in who He chooses, and and He, he says He the Bible says He He appoints the kings. And so in the nation of Israel, I found that in my studies that they always got the king they deserved. And we certainly got the one we deserve in America. And that's who's running this country. <laughs> yeah, insane asylum. Yeah. You know, I, last night I was listening to a podcast show, and, you know, it just and the regular callers that were calling in, people were making comments about the Federal Reserve. And, and I just got so discouraged because let me tell you something. I have failed. That's what I said. I've failed you and many other people because as many times as I've talked about the Federal Reserve, that is one of my key things that I talk about, the Federal Reserve banking cartel, one of the biggest corruption things that, like, Lewis brought up uh, during his uh, speech tonight, the Federal Reserve, how it's corrupted our money system. 
And this person made the most ignorant comment about bonds and, and our tax dollars, uh, you know, and, and it's just it just makes me so – I just cannot believe it. You know, I mean, I just don't think people are, are listening, and, you know, or, or they're listening and they just make the same comments, my tax dollars, or they just don't understand that the Federal Reserve is really the – the main culprit of the the money changers that I mean Jesus whipped them out of the temple. I mean, it, I just don't know how, what else to say anymore about it. Well, there's there's not a lot you can say. You know, uh, the old story: you can lead them to water, you can't make them drink. Uh, although that's not necessarily true. If you give them a salt, they'll drink. And you know, there are some people, as I used to say, and I still say, there are some people that don't smell crap until it hits them in the face. And, you know, I never really understood the meaning of that until I was weed-whacking in California and I happened to hit some dog dew. And that stuff slapped me mm-hmm. right in the face. I'm going to tell you what, I knew I was in it. And that's how some people are in this world. <laughs> you see, they know the Majority. truth. They know what's going on. They've been warned. But they, you know what? They don't do anything about it until it's crap hits them in the face, and then it's too late. Yeah. Yeah, yeah that's right. That's right. That's right. And so you well, do what you're doing what you're doing, and, and uh, you know you're, you're not being disrespectful to to those in authority and, and the government. Uh, I mean, you know, we have to have some kind of respect and some kind of moral standard as as far as that. They're they're uh, uh, elected and appointed uh, or stolen or however they got there. And so the answer is this: we, we I believe in the power of prayer, and I've always said this. And, and remember that I said this before, and I want to say it tonight. Josiah was a boy king. Israel was corrupt. They turned their back on God. He found the book of the law. He read it. He said, man, we strayed from God. He called the people together. They prayed. God gave them a reprieve. They were supposed to go to Babylon to be punished for 70 years, but God kept them from going for so many years. They still had to go. They didn't go then. They had a reprieve. Could God give America a reprieve? It's possible. But if you want to look at it from the other side, prophetically, I, I'm and I'm no date setter, but I'm going to tell you prophetically in the next six months, this whole thing could be a, a, a fulfillment of disaster coming through the Middle East. I mean, it's just, yeah. uh, you know, there's that prophecy yeah. of that red arm down from the north and people keep saying where could they get that many people listen they're those they're going to come down and god's going to destroy them okay israel's never ever again going to come off the face of the earth it's not going to happen that's not even a prophecy you know the prophecy said can these bones live and in one day will the nation be born and there it was with the stroke of a pen and it was done and there was Israel. It's the only nation in the world that was dispersed off its own land and and, it, and revived its nation and has its own language back. There's no nation in the history of it. And people say, prove the Bible. Well, the Jew. Okay? Now, is everybody in Israel Israel? No, God has a remnant. Okay? Everybody who claims to be a Jew is not a Jew. All right? And, and so, you know, Jesus said that he knew that they were of the synagogue of Satan, those that claimed to be, you know, Israel uh, or Jews. And so, and do you blame God for being angry? If Israel, Israel was given the word, and they were to carry the word of God to the world, and they rejected their Messiah, and look at the country. You, they're in a, you know, I'm not saying what happened was right, 
but I'm saying in the eyes of God, I'd be pretty angry if my people were out there dancing in the desert half naked and they're supposed to be honoring me. I'm the nation that get blessed them and got them to look back. And you know what? It, we come under judgment. And and it's just yeah. like this. Uh, now, you're not saying Hamas was right. No, I'm not saying that. I'm saying the judgment of God. Listen, nothing happens unless God allows it or makes it to happen. Okay? God's hands on us. John the Baptist didn't show up until God wanted him to. Okay? Israel didn't get knocked out of in 70 A.D. Jesus told them what would happen. That they would be judged. That that there wouldn't be a rock standing. And in 70 A.D., Titus came down, destroyed Jerusalem, carried them off the land. Okay? And so God will use his enemy. will use the enemy of Israel to... Can you... Uh, oh, Peter, Peter. While I got you here, while I got you here, can you explain the Ishmael thing and the Abraham thing? Ishmael being the wild man and everything. Because somebody took that out of context. I think I explained it wrong. So can you explain that? Well, you know, that that's funny you said that because I had a prisoner who took it, said they took it out of context. And they, you know, they wanted to throw him out of a program and all that. And here's all he's saying. He's saying that there was a child of promise promised to Abraham. Okay, you have to go read the Abrahamic covenants. Some are conditional, some are unconditional. Okay, and God made an unconditional covenant for that land with Abraham. Now, what happened was God promised Abraham a child, and that child would be, through that child, would come the Messiah. Okay, and that child was Isaac. That's what happened. And what happened was Abraham and Sarah got very old. And they were old when God told them that they were going to have a child. And that would be the child of promise. And so they waited and they waited. And they decided that they were smarter than God. So Abraham's wife said to Abraham, look, why don't you go in and go on to my maid, and then you'll have an heir. His maid was an Egyptian named Hagar. And she bare a child named Ishmael. Okay, and Ishmael was had 12 princes, just like he was promised by God. And Abraham, well, we have the 12 tribes, okay? And so the child of promise was not Hagar's child, Ishmael. The child of promise was Isaac. And Isaac's name means laughter. And the reason why they gave him that name was because when Sarah was told in her old age she'd have a child, she laughed. And so... Isaac is the child of promise, not Ishmael. And the prophecy in the Old Testament says Ishmael would be a wild man. His hand would be against every man and every man's hand against him. Okay? And so we're down to who was Ishmael. Right? And we find that Ishmael runs along the the Arab line. And so here we have a wild man. Now, listen, all of Israel is not Israel. You get what I'm saying? And all of Arabs are not, you know, uh, uh, violent people. But we, we have, this is the distinction, and this is why, this is what the fight is in the Middle East. Are, are you from Ishmael, or are you from Isaac? Okay? And so some people claim that, you know, the promises uh, to uh, uh, the Jews, was uh, the promises to Ishmael was stolen by Jacob. And, and down the line, and you go back and forth. But this is where the conflict in the Middle East began, and this is where the conflict in the Middle East will probably end. 
okay? And the problem becomes that politicians don't know biblical history, and you can't solve the Middle East problem unless you know that biblical history. And people have been trying to wipe Israel off the map from the very beginning. See, the Bible, whoever told you, I heard you say that some Joseph, somebody said that the Bible, you know, is, is uh, not a history book. Well, that's a lie. It is a history book, and it's a history book of the nation of Israel. You see, yeah. it's, it's yeah. Israel's history. It's not world history, per se. There is some world history in there. I mean, you know, there's prophecies of Alexander the Great. If, if they've been listening to Daniel that I've been teaching on your platform on Tuesdays and Fridays, they would know, you know, that there are prophecies that we just covered 2,600 years, and we're moving on a little further now. And by the time we get done, they'll understand. Alexander the Great was prophesied in the book of Daniel. He comes from the east. He's the great he-goat. And, and it says that that he-goat's kingdom gets divided into four. He dies. And that's exactly what happened in world history. Alexander the Great died, and his four generals took over his territory. They divided it. And so the book of Daniel is so accurate that people can't, you know, they can't fathom it. It's, oh, it had to be written after. No, it's God's book. He's written the end from the beginning. Okay? Yeah. And so we're not going to solve the major problem. And, and God forbid this idea of a, a two-state division of the land of Israel. The Bible warns about that and says that any nation that divides that land's in trouble. And the United States better watch what they're doing, the politicians, when they talk about a two-state solution. You see, because Palestine was never a state. There's never been a state called Palestine. It was the land of Palestine. And at one time, it was ruled by 25 different kings. Didn't okay. Donald Trump Didn't Donald Trump want to make the two-state thing happen? And look what's happening to him and his wife. <laughs> right. Yeah. And, and you know what? It, it's it's not listen here's the thing that really irks me about uh the palestinians and, and listen i'm a lover of all people i believe god came to, jesus christ came to save souls and i don't care what color you are i don't care where you came from i don't care what your nationality is jesus christ came to save your soul but here's something that really i sit back in awe and i say look in 2006 israel took every soldier and everybody out of the Gaza Strip and said to him, okay, you govern it. It's yours to do what you want. And there's all that oceanfront property. It's prime real estate. And what did they do? They elected Hamas, and they got duped. Listen, the Palestinian people were duped. They believed Hamas was going to lead them and guide them correctly. And once Hamas got in, they were the right arm of, uh, of Iran, and, and they armed up. And they used all the funds and everything to arm up and to rule over the people. And that's what they are. And it's a terrorist organization that's got control of the people. The people don't want to be under a loss. They don't want to be used as human shields and targets. You see? And so yeah. that's what happened. It could have been a beautiful, promising area, a, a piece of country along the ocean front that could have been a paradise. And they made the wrong decision. And that's the consequence of the decision. And that's why... You hear Israel say, okay, we not only got to get rid of Hamas, but we got to get rid of the Hamas political system so that the people can govern themselves without these people. You know, the man from Iran was saying the other day on television, he was a uh, somebody from Iran. He's a very, very important man. 
and uh, the FBI came and got him three days before Israel got hit and told him something big's going down. We gotta, we gotta come and get you. He was in America and they locked him away. And they did an interview with him, and he said quite clearly, he said, "Listen, the people in Iran, they don't hate America. The people in Iran truly love America. It's the people ruling the people in Iran that are teaching this hate." And, and, and we're subjection to them. And if America would step in and just knock some of these mullahs off, the people in Iran know what to do right from there. And that's what he said. Yeah. Yeah. Well, you know, I guess that's about it then. Yeah. Um, uh, thanks for you guys participating here tonight. I did want to talk a little bit about the Federal Reserve tonight, but I guess we uh, got a little bit uh, carried away here. So uh, the CIA helped Hamas, somebody said. And, uh, well, the CIA, CIA helps have, you know, who knows what they're involved in. So <laughs> there's so many different branches of the CIA that's uh, corrupt. And... The CIA is self-funding. So they raise yeah. their own funds for the most part. So they're, they're apt to do anything, you know, sell yeah. anything. You know, look at what was that guy's name who was traveling from uh, South America up here with the drugs. Remember the guy in, in the airplane there that got, uh, they made a whole movie about him? Oh, uh, oh, Lord. Now you got my mind, well, now my mind just went blank. Oh, Lord. Barry Seal. Barry Seal. Yeah, yeah Barry Seal. Yeah. <laughs> so, you know. Um, yeah, he was, he worked for the CIA. He, he worked for the CIA. He was, he got in the mix up, right? Was it between that guy, George Young, that guy that went to Danbury Federal Prison there? Uh, he's the one that started the flight, but then they needed to get bigger, and Barry Seal jumped into it. It, it was a big mess, but they ended up uh, killing him, setting him up, you know. And uh, you know, he was looking at a thousand years in jail, and he walked out of the courtroom. And the prosecutor was screaming up and down, you know, "I'll get you," you know, and, and <laughs> yeah, kind of. You know, and, so, and when God reveals to us the truth, and we see the truth, we're going to be my God. And one thing I believe is I believe you're going to find more than you think. You're going to find Jesuits who pull out of this stuff. Not only secret societies, but secret societies that have been infiltrated by the Jesuits that don't even know that they're... And there are people in the world who are performing very evil things and being manipulated by Satan, and they don't even know it. They believe they're doing the right thing. And they truly yeah. and are sincerely in belief that what they you go talk to some of these Democrats who cannot have a they are they are bitter and they are just set their mind on what they believe and there's no compromise to talk about it and and you know and then when they can't outsmart they escape nature you're breaking up Peter you're breaking up your calls I'm sorry your phone's breaking up how's that now alright yeah I can hear you now I missed it about the Democrats, but that's when you started breaking up. If, if you can't talk to many of them, they're just set in their ways and they're not going to compromise. They're not listening to anything you got to say. And if they can't outsmart you, then they'll assassinate your character. So what's the solution then? What's the solution? We can't live with them. We can't live amongst them. What do we do? We, you know, there's no peace on earth, peace and happiness, all but goodwill and all that, you know, and break bread and let's just forget about it, you know. I mean, how do you, what do we do? <clears throat> well, we pray for them. Well, like you said, no matter how much you pray, it's not going to do you any good. 
Well, I said that. I believe in the power of prayer. I mean, anything's possible. But, you know, there, you, it's, it's, this battle here, brother, is, you know, that brother, here's the brother that got on the phone tonight and said, listen, in my heart I wanted to do what's right and I love the Lord. And, and I and I saw a lot of jailhouse religion, but I got saved, and I came out into the into the Christian community, and, and I and I tried to live this life for Christ, and I'm discouraged because of the behavior of other Christians. And you know what? Uh, you know Jesus could have got discouraged with the behavior of the disciples, but but here here's a fellow who really desires to do what's right, and it's in his heart to do what's right, and, and I feel for that man because I know the brutality, and you know what? I was always taught this. And I'll get to the point. Is that it, 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 I was told when you get in the get in the ministry around Christian brothers, you better have skin as thick as a rhinoceros because it's not the world that's going to hurt you; it's the brethren because they're the ones you don't expect it from. And so that's just a fact. You know, you you got to wear the armor. As far as the political situation, how do we solve it, brother? I, I think God's about to solve it. But you know, prayer, getting the right people in office. Knowing somebody who's going to, you know, got the right heart and and, and wants to do what's right. Now, this speaker of the house, well, you know, the they founders, asked him. Yeah, but hang on. The founders did it at the end of a musket. You know, the founders did it, you know, a revolution. You know, they did. And, but when you say that to church, well, hang on. But when you say that out loud, the people back up. You know, you know, and and I'm not criticizing churches, but the churches are pretty much the first ones to say no, no, no. You know, so I mean, I'm, like I said, but why, why? It's not, it's not every church. Number one, number two, uh, you know, you want the Bible doesn't say you're going to live peace with on, on earth. It says live with men as peaceably as possible. It's not always possible to live peaceably among men okay that's just a fact of life all right it's yeah. just like the poor scripture says you're always going to have the poor with you so care for them so you're sure this what's the solution that's the real question and does well romans 13 romans 13 peter obey the law and the law says that we're supposed to alter or abolish this government when it becomes tyrannical you know, and that's the law, and that's in the Constitution. Well, you know what? We we have a we we have to. You know, you're you're saying what's the solution? And you know what? This, there's already a revolution going on. You just they're not using guns, my friend. There's already a revolution. They're 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 killing the country, and they haven't fired a shot. Yeah, okay. I know. So and. Long time ago, the revolution began the day they said, get the Ten Commandments out of the courthouse, stop prayer in school. That's when the revolution began. And you have to remember, everything that you're seeing in this physical world is a result of what's going on in the spiritual world. There's something spiritual behind this. And there's a battle for kingdoms here. And it's already written. We already know how it ends. But okay, well... But the earth has always been the devil can you or anybody else. So what do we do? Hang well, we hang on a second. Hang on, Peter. Hang on. Hang on, Peter. Hang on. 704 made a comment. What did you say there, brother? Uh, but this is always, the earth has always been, it belongs to the devil. It's his territory. I mean, Jesus called yeah. two people Lord in the Bible. He called his father Lord. He told the devil he's the Lord of this place. Right, he was until Christ died. Then he took the keys of hell and of death. 
but he still has access. And okay. the plan of God, the manifold wisdom of God is still going on. You know, I was uh, having a conversation with Brother Joe the other night, and I was saying, look, when you read Corinthians, you discover that even the angels didn't understand this period called this church age that we're in right now. But as it's unfolding, they're seeing the manifold wisdom of God. You see, God is multi. God's mind is so great and so fascinating that, that we're the greatest minds in this world that think they're somebody, that they have a pin drop of knowledge of the universe. And they're really children in the eyes of God. They're just babies running around. And, and that's how they behave, you know. And, and you, if you were in prison, you know that there's a lot of, of uh, boys running around in men's bodies. You know what I mean? And so that's, yes, I do. And that's one of the problems we have in society. Is, and the failure is to blame greatly upon the church, greatly, for the failure to preach the truth. To, to 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 name sin as sin, to call it out, and and not to accept social rationalism, which says, well, if society says it's okay, then it must be okay. No, it's not. Churches that are promoting and running around and got these flags, gay flags out front and all that stuff, that's not of God. There isn't a thing in that church that could be of God. Nothing. That's my they point about churches the right now. They can use the Lord's name. They can say Jesus. They can hold the Bible. They can read from it. They can teach from it. But believe me, it's God's not behind it, and there's no power in those churches. There's no power in their prayer. There's no power in their service. It's just a routine religious thing, and they're, they oppose God, and they took it upon themselves to change the Word of God and say that that type of life is okay when God said it's not. And we don't have the authority to change the Word of God, and who are these people? You see, and it was up to the sound doctrine Christians to stand up and say no, and they didn't. They didn't. Some did, but not all. And it should have been a majority. And yeah. so here we are today. And so we'll, the church has to take some of that blame, too. Well, we've got to be careful, though. We've got to be careful, though. It says, yes, they did. He says, yes, they did, and the Democrats and many Republicans were all for that. I don't know what he meant by that. Uh, yes, they did, and the, and the Democrats. Well, our government, I don't know what he means by that. Someone in the chat room said um, uh, if you can elaborate on that, but but we want to be careful. One thing though tonight, we want to be careful. This is pointing the fingers at the Jews. We hear a lot about that. The Jew, the Jew, the Jew, the Jew. What do you got to say about that, real quick, Peter or Brother Lewis, real quick? Because we know there's a lot of the Zionists. They put point out the Zionism, Zionists. So what's what's I up with that? I understand that there are those who who. Well, first of all, you have to understand there's a religious difference in the world. Okay, so take those that population of religion of Islam who opposes the Jews. There is that that particular uh, population. Okay, and they say it's radical Islam. Listen, Islam says you're not to befriend a Christian or a Jew, and that's that. So, you know, and so uh, you know the the when it comes down to the bottom line, it's either you pay a tax in Islam or you convert or you die. I mean, that's that's the religion. Okay, and that's that's it in simplicity. Right? And so that's how it is, either convert or, or you're for them. So uh, we have that problem in the world, all right? And so uh, uh, go back to your question again, Joe. 
Well, well, we're singling out the Jew. You know, the Jew, the Jew, the Jew, and the Zionist, the Zionist. Who are, are they? Evil? Are they no good? Are these the people that control the international banking cartels that are destroying the earth today? The Zionist, the Zionist. You know, we have to be careful. Uh, so, what's the truth here? Are they the evil clique around the world that we've been warned about? I mean, you know, because we're not saying you know the remnant of God, but we're saying there's a different Jew out there. But it, it gets confusing, you know, because we don't want to label a whole race of people and say that they're no good and we got to chase them off through all corners of the earth and annihilate them you know that's wrong so what, what well, you know what's what's the answer here okay well first there's a get an under, spiritual understanding and then we'll give you that answer here spiritual understanding satan has been been trying to destroy the jew from the very beginning kill the seed okay haman you know kill all the jews nebuchadnezzar kill all the jews uh, as Esther, the book of Esther, kill all the Jews. I mean, that's, that's Herod, kill every child two years and under, we'll get rid of the king, you know? And so that, that's that been a, a spiritual thing, and the spirituality behind that is satanic, to destroy Israel and to destroy the Jew and to get rid, take possession of Israel, of Jerusalem. Now, this other thing, are there Jewish people that are involved in things that are wrong in the world and controlling stuff? Yep. Sure are. Are there Italians? Sure. Are there other people? Yeah. There's a lot of races involved. Okay. And and so we can't just say it's it's this one people. Uh, you know, uh, who you know? Look at Israel's over there. They're telling them, look, uh, he, they're dropping flyers into Palestine. They say, look, we're gonna we're gonna destroy northern Palestine, uh, northern uh, Gaza Strip. So go to safety. Okay. We're not interested in exterminating you. We're, we're, we're after those who who offended us. So get your people and get on down the southern side of Gaza, and you'll be okay. We're not going to go down there and kill you. We're not trying to kill your children. We're not going to sneak into your place and capitate your babies and all that. This isn't an occupation, okay? How do you control a people that's trying to kill you year after year after year? How do you control them? And so I think the nation of Israel has been pretty pretty patient over the, all these years and all them rockets that have been sent over and all the incursions and all the killings and the bombings. And, and they've never really gone. They went into Gaza and then they gave it back to them out of compassion and world pressure. And so is every Jew a bad Jew? No. Is every Italian a bad Italian? No. Is every black man a bad black man? Listen, there's some pretty bad white men that I know of. And so I understand what you're saying, but when you're going to find out that this is all, it's a spiritual battle, and it's and the, the Satan's ploy is Jerusalem and to get rid of that Jew, and that's what Satan's ploy is, and that's his position, and that's what he's he's after, and that's what prophecy says. And people, you know, they they don't read the Bible, and they don't understand the Bible. Okay, so I understand what you're saying. They're involved in banking. They're involved in, you know, the Soros, the Rockefellers, and all these people. And, and I understand that. And Brother uh, um, Lewis, you know, walked everybody through that tonight in, in a pretty good, you know, uh, history lesson. But um, yeah. is everybody bad? No. We want to kill everybody because there's a handful of people out in the world that are trying. See, here's the problem. These people, like uh, Elon Musk and all these people, they're godless people. They don't have a Christ God. They don't. They believe that they are smarter. That religions are false, a false belief, and that that they are smarter than the rest of us. 
and that they know what's best for us. And so they're going to take control of this world and take control of us, and we're going to be happy with what we get. See? And, and their premise is a godless society. Yeah. And that's the yeah. root of the problem. Well, Peter, give you, give, if you want, if you've got any last words uh, real quick, I'm going to wrap it up here. But at the end here, I'm going to play something from the Money Masters about the Federal Reserve that's going to give solutions to repairing our economy. Okay? So uh, uh, any last words here, Peter, real quick? Yeah. To that brother that was just praying, I'm, I'm praying. For, I'm put my prayers. I'm going to put you on our church praying. Listen, I don't want you to be discouraged. You turn to the Lord Jesus Christ. You tell the Lord you're discouraged, and that, and let God help you along the way because He's got a plan for your life, and and don't let anybody interfere with that plan. Your Savior died for you because He loved you, and you're a child of God, and you're an heir to this universe, and you have treasures and rewards in heaven that are eternal that no man will ever take from you. And those godless people, when they get to, when they get to that judgment seat of Christ, we'll see who's who, for real. That's all I can tell you. Keep your chin up, my brother. And uh, remember, Peter said, "Think nothing of the fiery trial, which is to try you, as though some strange thing happened." The same as things are going on in other brothers' lives that are going through the same stuff. You just got to walk it yeah. through the faith. And and uh, yeah. you know, I just want to let me. Pray quick, Father God, in the name of Jesus, Lord, I ask you that you'd, you'd uh, bless the listeners of this program, Lord, that you would uh, bless our nation, God, that you would turn the hearts of this nation to you, and God, that each Christian would get their hearts right and pray, Lord, and God, that you would have mercy on this nation, and that and that you would do a miracle and a wonderful work, Lord, in it, Lord, that, that you would take and, and have your will done. God, preserve life. We ask you to preserve life, Lord. And we thank you for all you do in our lives. Give us the opportunity to continue to preach the gospel of Jesus Christ, because that's the only way to heaven. And I thank you. In Jesus' name, amen. Uh, all right. Lewis, you. Lewis, you got anything you want to say before I play some Federal Reserve stuff here? You got anything you want to say here real quick? Well, all I, all I can say is Jesus is Lord. He is coming real soon. And you better get off the fence, people. The devil owns the fence. Procrastination has sent more people to hell than probably any other thing. That's all I got to say. He's coming. Thank you, Brother Joe. All right. Brother Peter. All right. All right. Thank you very much. All right. For everyone else there, whoever else wants to hang around, I'm going to uh, play something here for the. I think it's very important that I pound this message over and over after what I heard last night on a podcast show about the ignorance of the Federal Reserve and the money making, the money changers in this in this in this country and how they. They're destroying our economy and destroying our politicians, own our politicians, own our government, the Federal Reserve, the biggest, the head of the snake. So I'll play this here. It's about, uh, so, let's see, about uh, eight minutes long. So anybody who wants to comment after that, they can. All right, here we go. These acts delegate the money power to a private banking monopoly. They must be repealed and the money power handed back to the Department of Treasury where they were initially under President Abraham Lincoln. No banker or person in any way affiliated with financial institutions should be allowed to regulate banking. After the first two reforms, these acts would serve no useful purpose anyway since they relate to a fractional reserve banking system. Four, withdraw the U.S. from the IMF, the BIS, and the World Bank. These institutions, like the Federal Reserve, 
are designed to further centralize the power of the international bankers over the world's economy and the U.S. must withdraw from them. Their harmless functions such as currency exchange can be accomplished either nationally or in new organizations limited to those functions. Such a monetary reform act would guarantee that the amount of money in circulation would stay very stable, causing neither inflation nor deflation. Remember, for the last three decades, the Fed has doubled the American money supply every 10 years. That fact and fractional reserve banking are the real causes of inflation and the reduction in our buying power, a hidden tax. These and other taxes are the real reasons both parents now have to work just to get by. The money supply should increase slowly to keep prices stable, roughly in proportion to population growth, about 3% per year, not at the whim of a group of bankers meeting in secret. In fact, all future decisions on how much money will be in the American economy must be made based on statistics of population growth and the price level index. The new monetary regulators and the Treasury Department, perhaps called the Monetary Committee, would have absolutely no discretion in this matter except in time of declared war. This would ensure a steady, stable money growth of roughly 3% per year, resulting in stable prices and no sharp changes in the money supply. To make certain the process is completely open and honest, all deliberations would be public, not secret, as meetings of the Fed's Board of Governors are today. How do we know this will work? Because these steps remove the two major causes of economic instability, the Fed and fractional reserve banking, and the newest one as well, the BIS, Bank of International Settlements. But most importantly, the danger of a severe depression would be eliminated. Let's listen to Milton Friedman on the single cause of severe economic depression. I know of no severe depression in any country or any time that was not accompanied by a sharp decline in the stock of money, and equally of no sharp decline in the stock of money that was not accompanied by a severe depression. Issuing our own currency is not a radical solution. It's been advocated by Presidents Jefferson, Madison, Jackson, Van Buren, and Lincoln, but it's been used at different times throughout Europe as well. Perhaps the best example is one of the small islands off the coast of France in the English Channel. Called Guernsey, it's been using debt-free money issues to pay for large building projects for nearly 200 years. Here we are on Guernsey, and this is the Guernsey flower and vegetable market. Guernsey is one of the most successful examples of just how well a debt-free money system can work. In 1815, a committee was appointed to investigate how best to finance this new market. The impoverished island could not afford more new taxes, so the state's fathers decided to try a revolutionary idea, issue their own paper money. They were just colorful paper notes, backed by nothing, but the people of this tiny island agreed to accept them and trade with them. To be sure they circulated widely, they were declared to be good for the payment of taxes. Of course, this idea was nothing new. 
It was exactly what America had done before the American Revolution, and there are many other examples throughout the world. But it was new to Guernsey, and it worked miracles. This market is still in use. And remember, it was built for no debt to the people of this island state. But what if we follow Guernsey's example? How would the bankers react to these reforms? Certainly, the international bankers' cartel will oppose reforms that do away with their control of the world's economies as they have in the past. But it is equally certain that Congress has the constitutional authority and responsibility to authorize the issuance of debt-free money, U.S. notes, and to reform the very banking laws it ill-advisedly enacted. That means the bankers will claim that issuing debt-free money will cause severe inflation or make other dire predictions. But remember, it is fractional reserve banking which is the real cause of over 90% of all inflation, not whether debt-free U.S. notes are used to pay for government deficits. In the current system, any spending excesses on the part of Congress are turned into more debt bonds, and the 10% purchased by the Fed are then multiplied many times over by the bankers, causing over 90% of all inflation. Our fractional reserve and debt-based banking system is the problem. We must ignore its inevitable resistance to reform and remain firm until the cure is complete. As the director of the Bank of England in the 1920s, Sir Josiah Stamp put it, referring to this modern fractional reserve banking system, banking is conceived in inequity and born in sin. Bankers own the earth, take it away from them, but leave them the power to create money and control credit, and with the flick of a pen, they will create enough money to buy it back again. Take this great power away from the bankers, and all great fortunes like mine will disappear, and they ought to disappear, for this would be a better and happier world to live in. But if you want to continue the slaves of bankers and pay the cost of your own slavery, let them continue to create money and to control credit. Americans are slowly figuring this out. Today, over 3,200 cities and counties have endorsed the proposal of a nonprofit organization called Sovereignty. The Sovereignty Movement calls for Congress to authorize the Secretary of the Treasury to issue $90 billion per year of U.S. notes, not Federal Reserve notes nor debt-based bonds, to loan money interest-free to cities, counties, and school districts for needed capital improvements. Remarkably, and to their praise, the Community Bankers Association of Illinois, representing 515 member banks, has endorsed this sovereignty proposal, a good step in the right direction. As Milton Friedman has repeatedly pointed out, no severe depression can occur without a severe contraction of money. In our system, only the Fed, the Bank of International Settlements with U.S. bankers' cooperation, or a combination of the largest Wall Street banks could cause a depression. In other words, our economy is so huge and resilient, a depression just can't happen by accident. Unless we reform our banking system, they will always have that power. They can pull the plug on our economy anytime they choose. The only solution is to abolish the Fed and the fractional reserve banking system and withdraw from the BIS. Only that 
will break the power of the international bankers over our economy. And keep in mind, a stock market crash itself cannot cause a severe depression. Only the severe contraction of our money supply can cause a severe depression. The stock market crash of 1929 only wiped out market speculators, mostly the small to medium ones, resulting in $3 billion in wealth changing hands. But it served as a smokescreen for a 33% contraction in credit by the Fed over the next four years, which resulted in over $40 billion in wealth from the American middle class being transferred to the big banks. Then, despite impotent howls of protest from a divided Congress, the independent Fed kept the money supply contracted for a full decade. Only World War II ended the terrible suffering the Fed inflicted on the American people. In a depression, the remaining wealth of the debt-burdened American middle class will be wiped out by unemployment, declining wages, and the resulting foreclosures. If we start to act to reform our monetary system, the money changers may do what they did in 1929 and then the 1930s, crash the stock market and use that as a smokescreen while contracting the money supply. But if we're determined to fight to regain control over our money, we can come out of it fairly quickly, perhaps in only a very few months as U.S. notes begin to circulate and replace the money withdrawn by the bankers. The longer we wait, the greater the danger will permanently lose control of our nation. But some still wonder why the international bankers would want to cause a depression. Wouldn't that be killing the goose that is currently laying all those golden interest eggs? Remember what Larry Bates said at the first of this videotape. You see, in periods of economic upheaval, in economic crisis, wealth, is not destroyed. It is merely transferred. Do we have any hints as to what the money changers have in store for us? Here's what David Rockefeller, the chairman of Chase Manhattan Bank, the largest Wall Street bank, had to say. We are on the verge of a global transformation. All we need is the right major crisis and the nation will accept the new world order. So, crisis is needed to fulfill their plans quickly. The only question is when the crisis will occur. Fortunately, we probably have a little time. It's unlikely that this crisis will occur before the 1996 elections, but after that, the danger begins rising. But whether or not they decide to cause a crash or a depression through relentless increases in taxes and the loss of hundreds of thousands of jobs being sent overseas thanks to trade agreements such as GATT and NAFTA, the American middle class is an endangered species. Cheaper labor, including slave labor in Red China, which Harry Wu has heroically documented, is being used to compete with American labor. In other words, money is being consolidated in fewer and fewer hands as never before in the history of this nation or the world. Without reform, the American middle class will soon be extinct leaving only the very rich few and the very many poor, as has already occurred in most of the world. We've been warned of all this by congressmen, presidents, industrialists, and economists down through the years. 
Religious leaders, too, have seen the danger. About 1898, during the time of William Jennings Bryan, Pope Leo XIII put it this way. On the one side, there is the party which holds the power because it holds the wealth, which has in its grasp all labor and all trade, which manipulates for its own benefit and its own purposes all the sources of supply and which is powerfully represented in the councils of state itself. On the other side, there is the needy and powerless multitude, sore and suffering. Rapacious usury, which, although more than once condemned by the church, is nevertheless under a different form but with the same guilt, still practiced by avaricious and grasping men, so that a small number of very rich men have been able to lay upon the masses of the poor a yoke little better than slavery itself. More recently, during America's Great Depression, Pope Pius XI spoke of the same problem. In our days, not alone is wealth accumulated, but immense power and despotic economic domination is concentrated in the hands of a few. This power becomes particularly irresistible when exercised by those who, because they hold and control money, are able also to govern credit and determine its allotment. For this reason, supplying, so to speak, the lifeblood to the entire economic body and grasping, as it were, in their hands the very soul of the economy so that no one dare breathe against their will. Educate your friends. Our country needs a solid group who really understand how our money is manipulated and what the solutions really are. Because if a depression comes, there will be those who call themselves conservatives who will come forward advancing solutions framed by the international bankers. Beware of calls to return to a gold standard. Why? Simple. Because never before has so much gold been so concentrated outside of American hands. And never before has so much gold been in the hands of international governmental bodies such as the World Bank and International Monetary Fund. A gold-backed currency usually brings despair to a nation, and to return to it would certainly be a false solution in our case. Remember, we had a gold-backed currency in 1929 and during the first four years of the Great Depression. Likewise, beware of any plans advanced for a regional or world currency. This is the international banker's Trojan horse. Educate your member of Congress. It only takes a few persuasive members to make the others pay attention. Most congressmen just don't understand the system. Some understand it, but are so influenced by bank PAC contributions that they ignore it, not realizing the gravity of their neglect. We hope we've made a valuable contribution to the national debate on monetary reform. It remains for each man to do his duty, consistent with his state in life. May God give us the light to help reform our nation and ourselves. We say ourselves because ultimately vast multitudes of men are going to be driven more and more to desperation by the accumulation of the world's wealth in fewer and fewer hands. Men will tend to become like their oppressors, selfish and greedy. 
Rather, let's keep in mind during this period of reform a warning not to lose sight of greater things, as Pope Pius XI put it. For what will it profit men that a more prudent distribution and use of riches make it possible for them to gain even the whole world, if thereby they suffer the loss of their own souls? What will it profit to teach them sound principles in economics if they permit themselves to be so swept away by selfishness, by unbridled and sordid greed, that hearing the commandments of the Lord, they do all things contrary? There you have it. There you have it, everybody. I think I'm going to just have to play that, you know, more and more. And still, after hearing that, people will debate with me and argue with me about the Federal Reserve. Pretty self-explanatory. Uh, anybody want to comment? Anybody who's left on the line here before we wrap it up? Because if we don't stop the Federal Reserve and we don't straighten out our economy, there's no point. We can't fix, fix our elections in our states if our politicians are bought bought and sold by the Federal Reserve. So I remember 2008, and the Fed, and the Fed, and the Fed, and the Fed, Ron Paul, and the Fed. And the movement was so big, so large, I thought for sure, maybe, just maybe, we were going to have a chance. But Fed controlled too much money. They, they wouldn't even let Ron Paul on the stage at the Republican conventions. And he had more people supporting him than all the candidates put together. What's that tell you? Money is king. Money is power. And those that control the money, Nathan Rothschild said it best, uh, give me control of the nation's currency and I care not who writes its laws. That's a powerful statement right there. So we have to get out from under this grip of money, the power and love of money, for the root of all evil, love of money, right? I hope everyone uh, took something from the podcast here tonight. Hopefully you learned something. Um, I want to thank Peter for uh, uh, joining me tonight. And then, of course, Brother Lewis, who uh, opened up the podcast here tonight with his uh, little uh, lecture there. Uh, it was about 35 minutes long. If you missed it, go back and listen to it in the archive. And go back and listen to some of the archive shows I've done in the Federal Reserve. The Federal Reserve is the monster in the room. That is the monster that we have got to chop the head off the snake. We've got to get rid of the Fed. We've got to. The only way we can restore our power, our purchasing power, and our, our bartering system to an honest bartering system. Other than that, I just don't know what else to say. So uh, we'll wrap it up there. Uh, everybody, thanks. Uh, like I said, I'm going to check the board here, see if we've got any callers and put their hand up. Six, five, I know nobody can call in because we're in overtime right now. So let me check the board here, see the callers that were there, if they got their hands up or not. I'll go ahead and end the podcast. Uh, oh, an American statesman wasn't on tonight. I don't know why. I know the, uh, she'll be on next Monday, but she wasn't on tonight. So, But if you missed her podcast last week, go back and listen to that podcast. It's a very important uh, podcast, actually, about elections. All right, everybody, God bless. Take care.